Welcome back to Four Eyes, the podcast series that gives you a clear view into the optometry world across Canada and the U.S. We are your hosts. I'm Dr. Amrit Bilku. I'm Dr. Deepan Carr. Hi, I'm Dr. Ravinder Rindala. And I'm Dr. Alex Kuhn. Before we really dive into our episode today, I just want to say thank you so much for everybody listening to our podcast who has been sending us messages um, since our new season has come out, letting us know what they think of our episodes. Um, You know, those messages are not only making our day and making us really um, happy about our podcast, but, um, you know, sharing your thoughts is really helping us to improve ourselves every day on our podcast. So um, please keep sharing um, messages about what you think about our episodes. You're always free to give us any episode suggestions. So just feel free to message us on Instagram or um, our email podcast eyes at gmail.com. So diving into t- today's episode, uh, we have a conversation with Dr. Kimberly Chan, who is an optometrist working in Toronto, Ontario. Dr. Chan has successfully branded herself in this profession, and she's doing a great job at maintaining her brand, especially on Instagram. Her content is always true to who she is, and that was what really caught our attention about her. And so we wanted to reach out and talk to talk to her about how we can start branding ourselves. You know, she's spoken about this topic so many times before, but why not have her come on our podcast and share just a little bit more with everyone listening here. And second, Dr. Chan also graduated from an American optometry school, similar to the, um, the three of us, me, Rav, and Deepon, who also now work in Canada. So we've all gone through this transition of moving from one country to the next. And we know that there may be a lot of other current students right now who are probably nervous about making the transition into a different country after graduation. So we get some excellent advice from Dr. Chan today on just how to navigate that journey and the experience. So without further ado, please enjoy today's episode and let us know what you think. So Dr. Kimberly Chan, welcome to our podcast, finally. And would you please give us an introduction about yourself for all of our listeners who may not know who you are just yet? Yeah, thanks for having me, ladies. It's good to meet you guys. I'm Kimberly Chan. You can call me Kim. I'm a Canadian optometrist practicing in Toronto, Ontario. I went to school in Boston's New England College of Optometry. I came back to my hometown to practice optometry in 2012. After practicing for several years, I felt that I could do more for our community in optometry and raising awareness for our profession and just to um, talk more about what we do in our field of work. So I started sharing and posting on social media through Dr. Kimberly Chan on Instagram in hopes of just sharing my passion of optometry and life outside of it and connect with like-minded others like you guys and just building this nice community for um, healthcare professionals or students who are joining us. So I guess that's how we all got connected. And again, thank you for having me here. Yeah, thanks for coming. (laughs) So in your opinion, what do you think are some differences between the Canadian and the American optometry, mainly in terms of practicing? 
So I believe that whether you are attending school in Canada or in the States, the role of optometrists should be the same, mm -hmm. which is to provide the highest level of care to the standard that's set by your college. So that being said, you'll notice that the scopes of practice may be very different depending on where you work. So, um, so for myself personally, the difference that I saw was in drugs and therapeutics, because mm -hmm. when I went to school, um, Canadian optometrists could not prescribe any topical drugs or oral medications. So only in 2012 was when we were finally allowed to prescribe. So at that time, the existing doctors had to take, you know, more um, courses, um, certification and therapeutics in order to treat, you know, eye infections, glaucoma. Um, now, of course, we have expanded our scope and different medication that we can prescribe here in Ontario. We're definitely still working on, you know, um, adding more to the list. Yeah. But I don't know if you've heard, but just recently in Massachusetts, optometrists also mm -hmm. finally can prescribe and treat glaucoma, which is a shocking. Yeah. That yeah. is huge. <laughs> yeah, that's huge. Yeah. So, um, yeah, in the States, you can see just the scopes of practice. Like we were trained. All of us have been trained mm -hmm. you know, to do um, injections or trained in certain aspects of optometry. But in Ontario, we're not you know, doing conjunctival injections, we're not doing intravenous mm -hmm. injections, yeah. performing SLTs or any other treatments. So I think uh, the new graduates of optometry should review the standard of care outlined by their college when they are, you know, deciding mm -hmm. where to practice, deciding mm -hmm. where to work. Yeah. So um, as American trained optometrists, we are all expected to, um, I guess, get training in a VA. Mm -hmm. But in Canada, we definitely don't have any VAs, meaning there's no hospital setting that's just mm -hmm. catered to veterans. Yeah. And this is where income potential would be different, too, because you can see that um, here in Ontario, we do have OHIP, which is Ontario mm -hmm. Health Insurance Plan. So we would also see diseases like people with diabetes, glaucoma, we would um, take care of their conditions. We would also see um, OHIP covered patients that are 19 and under, 65 and older, mm -hmm. where their eye examinations are fully covered um, every year. Um, it's important to um, think about where you practice because yeah. if you see a lot of OHIP um, mm -hmm. patients. So in your day, you might see a lot of government covered mm -hmm. um, eye exam, which you don't actually get paid the same amount as you would when you see a self paying. Yeah, so yeah. I think that's a big difference too. In Ontario, of course, um, if you are seeing tons of OHIPs at one place and compared to another where you just see tons yeah, yeah. of self paying, you can make a lot more in that mm -hmm. other location. And so in the States, they also have different types of insurances that you cover. So I know that maybe if you uh, take certain insurance types, you'll see that demographic of patients and you get paid differently depending on the procedure. So you're billing for procedures rather than, you know, they're just standard full eye exam mm -hmm. type of um, fee. Mm -hmm. so I think that's where I see the differences for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Kim, speaking of like the different scope of practice across the provinces, and we just kind of discussed insurance and mm -hmm. salaries and everything, what resources do you use to help you adjust to 
you know, Canadian optometry, the, the Canadian optometry world after graduating from optometry school. So how did you find out all this information about like OHIP, the insurance, like salaries and all that yeah, other so there definitely was a transition process, but it's not um, it's not that hard to manage. Mm-hmm. Because luckily, I lived here in Ontario um, before I went to the states, so coming back, I was a little bit more familiar with it. But I do have some suggestions for those that are transitioning. Uh, number one, you have to be very proactive, and number two, you have to stay connected. So what I mean by being proactive is that, so I know I went to the States, but I am planning to come back to Canada. So before even getting my license or before knowing my board exam scores, I already reached out to all the neighborhood clinics that I know I might want to practice at, or I reach out to my previous mentors that I worked for and just to let them know, oh, I'm getting my license soon. I'm coming back. So definitely be more proactive about, you know, finding job opportunities and getting answers where you, um, you know, are looking for help. And also because there wasn't a lot of resources I found at that time, for me, a way to stay connected was um, through my college. So knowing what my college guidelines were. So for example, the Ontario College of Optometry website, you know what the requirements are to get a license here. So make sure you have a checklist of all the things that you need to have in order before um, applying or know the important dates like your admin like admission deadlines or registration Mm -hmm. deadlines because you have to take those crucial board exams or jurisprudence exams. Um, You might want to join your optometry association too because that as a new graduate you can find a lot of um, career posting, job posting, um, but mostly staying connected with people. So that was how I found my resource because I did keep in touch with friends who are working as an optometrist or again my previous mentors but now there are definitely a lot of good sources out there which is really really helpful so number one like social media where there's a lot of students there's a lot of working professionals building accounts so you get to you know really get to know the people behind these accounts and mm-hmm. they become very approachable actually a lot of them will reply your direct messages and um, obviously they build a presence online so uh, maybe um, they want to be there to help others or mentor other people um, another website is really good which is um, a good resource for canadian optometrists specifically is newods.ca or you can join their Facebook group, which now has almost 800 members in just this year. Yeah, so it's definitely useful because they have a website, but Facebook, again, it has more active comments, feedbacks from current practicing doctors or maybe new graduates or even students that um, join their website. And another one that I really liked is covalentcareers.com. This is a great one where um, there's a lot of articles that are written by optometrists who are trained in America or um, in Canada as well. So for myself, I did um, write a few articles on there regarding like the transition process as an American trained optometrist practicing in Ontario. So I think those are some good resources now that uh, new graduates could have. Yeah. 
Definitely. I'm going to mention, I, I read all of your articles specifically on transitioning from U.S. to Canada after my residency because oh, awesome. my move back to Canada was unexpected. It wasn't planned. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, with all that panic in my mind, I went <laughs> to Covalent Careers and I was like, there has to be something about Canadian optometry. You know, what is the OHIP billing? What mm-hmm. is the license process like? And all of your articles actually came up. So for our listeners, we're definitely going to be adding those links directly to those articles in the description box for anyone who is, you know, feeling a little nervous about graduating U.S. optometry school and coming back because your info is pretty thorough and still very relevant. Not a lot has changed Mm -hmm. from when you wrote the articles to, to today. So yeah, it's still really relevant and helpful. Yeah, I wrote that two years ago. So at that time, though, um, I think some of the registration process Mm -hmm. of, you know, practicing in Ontario, now you don't have to write your Canadian board exam, Mm -hmm. you have your NBO board exam already written. So that definitely has been a nice change. But everything else, I think, OHIP wise, we haven't really changed much on that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, You just mentioned the Canadian board exams. Um, So what's your opinion on the fact that now Canadian students that are doing U.S. optometry, they can come in and get their license with just their U.S. board exams? What's your opinion on that? What's what are your thoughts on that? And would you still encourage students to consider taking the Canadian board exams for any other reason? What I think about the Canadian board exam at that time, because I had to write it, I did both, obviously, yeah. um, because I did want to keep my opportunities open. So I did take the MBO. Some of my other friends that were planning to come to Canada anyways, they didn't even bother doing the MBO. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is what I think about Canadian board exams. Because you don't have to write it, it's okay if you already wrote your MBO. At that time, I felt the exams were quite similar. In fact, I don't know if you guys wrote your Canadian one as well. Yeah. Did all three of you guys write it too? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So for the Canadian one, because we wrote it, or at least in my opinion, because I wrote it in my fourth year, um, meaning I already graduate school, I just have to take a board exam. I actually felt the board exam was quite manageable, less stressful for me, at least. Um, And there's a few reasons why, because for studying, I already kind of had an idea of the breakdown, even though you can look up the guidelines and, you know, what the topics are going to be covered. So I never really overstudied knowing what might be tested. And also I had a good, you know, studying guide, which was the KMK. So I used a really good uh, studying guide to study for the Canadian board exam. And I felt that I knew the material quite well. So yeah. I, I found that it was, um, yeah, not bad. What did you guys think? Um, I think you're really positive about this. Yeah, I think we might have felt the exact opposite. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I don't think I've ever felt so unprepared for exam for the Canadian boards exam. I just, I think it was, but also I think we were more stressed for it because, um, we took our Canadian board exam in our third year. 
Oh, yes. right? That's right. Split yeah. It up. yeah, we split, we split it up. It we up. split it up. So while yeah. we were studying KMK for the NBEO, mm-hmm. we were registering for the Canadian board exams and getting it done pretty much just like, yeah. I think it All was like, a cu- like two, three months after yeah. we wrote part one of the NBEO. I preferred that because yeah. I, I agree with you there, Kim, where we were studying for part one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I felt prepared for the yeah. written part for Canadian yes. boards. I was like, okay, this is going to be fine. Yeah. yeah. The biggest difference I noticed between the Canadian exam and the um, American exam, especially for skills, mm-hmm. um, the Canadian exam focused much more on communication, communication. than your mm-hmm. actual skills. Like they, yeah. it, it seemed like they really wanted to see if you're able to properly communicate to your patient. Mm-hmm. And if you're, um, if you were able to answer their follow-up questions rather than actually performing the skill of the exam. So that's what I found really interesting. Like you definitely took the exam more recent than I did. Yeah. So it's changed. It's changed. Yeah. It's definitely changed from what it was before. And I think we were just one of the newer classes that took that different exam. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, all right. So let's change a little bit gears here. So um, let's talk about personal branding. So I know when you came back to Canada in 2012, you started on your personal brand, your Instagram. Can you talk about how creating and building your own brand has helped you professionally and personally? Yeah. So believe it or not, when I first uh, came back, I didn't use any social media, nor was it very popular back then I guess it was just starting the trend even now is still mm-hmm. growing. And what I believe to me, personal branding isn't just about your social media or how many followers you have or how much influence you have virtually. It really can start from just your patient encounters. So like how you treat your patients, how you gain their trust, because from there it can grow. For example, word of mouth, you know, you can have direct patient Mm -hmm. referrals. That's your best, you know, source of marketing. More and more, you'll you'll develop a natural following. And personal branding also comes from who you work with, like your team, Mm -hmm. your staff. They are the ones that encounter the patient first. They sort of represent you. And then that can be one way of branding yourself without social media, without a Mm -hmm. website. Then later on, only recently, only now, so I'm Mm -hmm. constantly just learning about the trends with social media and how to brand myself. Um, So mainly for me with social media, it wasn't really about trying to gain more patients or bring in more patients to my clinic. I actually just started, you know, building my social media um, just to, you know, uh, provide more knowledge about our profession. Um, I use it a lot because I like to connect with other healthcare professionals. So maybe not just students in optometry or other optometrists. I I like to learn more from others. And so it's fascinating to learn things from other people and feel motivated by them, feel inspired from other people. So naturally from there, when I created my own online brand, I share my passion of optometry and I love my work. So I share what I do. Um, Hopefully I post things that resonate with them and hopefully 
it can showcase who I am as a person outside of work or mm -hmm. as a professional. And then the other uh, opportunities that having a personal brand can give you is like now we have this nice connection. We got to mm -hmm. live with other people like you guys starting your podcast. You've, you've gotten to meet and talk to so many other yeah leaders in optometry, mm -hmm. you know, starting new businesses or other uh, specialists in our field. So it's nice to have this platform where you can have a wider audience and share your voice. This is what we love about social media mm -hmm. because, you know, we joined social media in the optometry world just uh, in, in March, 2020, when we started the podcast, mm -hmm. we had no idea that there was even any other optometrist out on social media, you know, promoting themselves, promoting the profession. Mm -hmm. And we were shocked and overwhelmed with just how welcoming everyone is mm -hmm. to that world in social media and how many more connections we made just on Instagram alone versus all of the networking we've tried to do during school mm -hmm. as students and at conferences. Yeah. Um, this is just so, so natural and comfortable to be on social media and meeting people through the internet. I mean, it's, it's awesome. And now with COVID that we can't go out and knock on other clinic doors and introduce ourselves to other people. This is, this is the time to really use social media the most yeah. because we can't go out and meet each other in person anymore for these conferences and these meetings. Exactly. Yeah. Before yeah. it's just through conferences and get to travel. Yeah. And that's where you see again, all your other classmates that you went mm -hmm. to school with, but yeah, social media definitely has a way to bring people together. So speaking of how social media has changed. So the concept of developing and growing your own social media brand has definitely evolved in the past few years, right? So if we think about it previously, eye care professionals would think about social media branding or their own websites mm -hmm. when they own their own clinic, right? But now people are developing their own social media brands as early as being an OD student or even before um, getting into optometry school. So in your opinion, how important is starting your own brand this early? Yeah, so obviously for optometry school, we weren't taught really, or nor was all the lectures really focused on branding and marketing mm -hmm. and the business side. So this is what I believe. You can create your own opportunities and you don't have to follow others or stick to the traditional route of, again, just branding when you have your own clinic or um, you know building a website when you do work for your, your own practice you can design and create your own future career path. So with the growing trend of social media, I believe you can build a very good public image and I see how much it can open doors and opportunities for you when it comes to your professional side, as long as you have like a good approach and use it responsibly. So whether you're a student or a new graduate, you have to keep in mind that there are benefits of showcasing your professional side or your journey as a student, but you have to be mindful. There are pitfalls and risk of also developing your online brand. 
So the approaches in maintaining your public image and voice, you should respect the standards of the professional. So always keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. I think that I'm glad personally that I didn't have Instagram or have to think about branding myself in my early days because, you know, as an optometry school, uh, in optometry school, you already have to, you know, study so much. You're yeah. so overwhelmed with yeah. everything. Yeah. So imagine on the side, you're also, you know, trying to keep up with, you know, all the trends in social media. It, it can be a lot as a student. Yeah. So uh, like you guys were saying, you, you didn't start this until, you know, recently until this yeah. year. Yeah. But guys come up with the idea of doing a podcast as students did you guys kind of no this was like we had (laughs) I don't I think if you asked us a year ago if we were if we were going to do this we'd be like no why (laughs) we don't even want to talk to each other for that long no (laughs) yeah like for some people it really works out that uh you know better that they do this maybe later or some early on maybe they were doing as a passion project aside from Mm -hmm. School, it's so overwhelming, but they are taking the fun um, part about optometry and being a student and starting to brand themselves. So I do believe that it could be manageable as long as yeah. they can handle school and, you know, the online world. Um, so I did do a presentation with the Canadian optometry students recently about social media, which I can talk about here mm-hmm. because I think that there are some uh, I guess some helpful highlights that I mentioned in the presentation. So some points that I came up with that makes it easier to remember is um, the acronym vision. So what is your vision in your personal brand or social media? So vision, so value, intention, showing up, integrity, ongoing and niche. So your vision in optometry or vision in your personal brand, number one, like you have value to offer others. So if you're starting your brand, number one, you you already in a unique position because of your education or clinical training. So it makes you a credible source. So if you have something to share with others, like your knowledge and your wisdom, you will definitely have um, a natural following and followers or viewers or listeners will seek you as a valuable resource. You have to keep in mind your intention too. So if you're trying to brand yourself, you have to consider, you know, what are your beliefs? What are your desires? What is it that um, you are doing? Um, Are you doing this for the right reason? What do you want to achieve out of this? So have some time to self-reflect and have some self-awareness about your goals when it comes to your purpose of branding, like what are you trying to create? Integrity is huge. So like I said, um, because you're an optometrist or in this health profession, you have to um, have a certain standard to live up to. This means that whether you're just a trainee or if you are providing care, because you are in the field of health, you have to be a little bit more aware of what you post, what you share. So you cannot release like patient data. You can't share confidential information when you decide to start your brand and you're sharing certain cases. You have to be really mindful of that. And it's a lot of work, right? Ongoing, you have to keep up with it. Just like you guys, you have to keep up with your social media, your podcast, 
So you have to consider that it's going to take up a lot of work and time. And especially with all these different platforms that are available now, like you can use TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, you have to keep everything updated and you have to um, um, kind of keep everything relevant too. So that's really an important consideration. And lastly, like know your audience. So who are you actually targeting for this brand? Like for you guys with a podcast, you are attracting like a lot of professionals. You're attracting yeah. a lot of students. You have valuable information you're putting out there, but you have um, in mind like a target, a specific group. Maybe you have a like-minded group of audience. Maybe you want to be leaders in um, this field or certain topics. So what you share, you have to think about your niche. So that's really just some of the, I guess, things that you should consider when you're branding, even when you're starting early or even now as a practicing professional. So yeah. Yeah. The acronym vision is great for that. I feel like <laughs> we definitely uh, relate to that vision acronym because when we started that social media account for our podcast, there were definitely ups and downs. And I think the hardest one that we had to follow was ongoing, mm, right? Yeah. Like always being present on mm -hmm. that account and being there for the, for people who are um, following our account and waiting for content. Mm -hmm. It gets really, um, it gets really tricky oh. if you're not fully invested right away. So having a personal brand, in my opinion, I feel like is another full-time job because you <laughs> yeah. always have to be present for that brand. Exactly. <laughs> um, quick question. So we did talk about all of the things that, you know, you want to keep in mind when you're branding yourself. What are a few things that you think should definitely be avoided? So you did mention, you know, be aware of some, some of the pitfalls and, you know, this is a professional account. What particular things would you recommend people should avoid with their branding? Yeah. So again, you always have to have an authentic voice too, right? You mm. can't just um, share things that are not true to what you believe in. So if you are um, posting certain um, products or sharing certain details in your content, you um, don't want to spread any false information. You don't want to spread any information that can be continued to pass through lots of lots of sources and um, that would damage your brand too that would damage who you <laughs> yeah. are as a professional the internet being very very public there is no delete button so you have to be aware of what you're sharing that's going to be forever on the internet and yeah. because again you have no way of controlling um, who distributes your content or what people are doing with your photos at least redirect the traffic. So I learned kind of early on, like, hmm, maybe I should watermark my posts or pictures that mm -hmm. at least have my image on it or my face on it, because I don't want it to um, be used for other purposes or, or used by other people. And I also make sure um, not to overshare information. So it's important that you as a professional, are you going to share too much detail about yourself online? Are people going to know where you live? Are people going to know <laughs> too much about your personal life? <laughs> yeah, you don't want to share too much of that. 
So like myself, working in multiple clinics six or six to seven days a week is a norm when it comes to new grad. Um, sorry, when it comes to many new grad lifestyles and your social media posts have talked about how the feeling of burnout can be a result of this lifestyle. I personally am a target because I went when I was a new grad, I and still I work six to seven days a week. Mm-hmm. I think um, we all do. actually. Yeah. yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> What are some advice or tips can you give to initially recognize these feelings and how can we try to avoid it? Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, you guys, uh, we, when we first graduate, we're all just trying to work. We're, we're so ambitious. We want to start our career, jumpstart it and start paying off our loans and everything. Um, but soon I realized that schedule doesn't really work for me because it doesn't um, give me the lifestyle that I want. So things that made me realize is um, I have to have clarity in knowing you know, what my own limitations are, because if I'm self-aware of like my own feelings, emotions, I realize maybe um, working six to seven days won't achieve what I want at the end. But if working six to seven days, maybe you give yourself a timeline, you just want to do this for maybe one or two years until you pay off your loan or until you, you know, get enough money to maybe start your practice or gain enough experience, mm-hmm. like at least give yourself a timeline if you're going to be doing that and realize when it's not working out for you anymore. So for myself personally, and maybe like many people, um, we have like a go, go, go mentality. So we're just ready to do everything. But, you know, in optometry, after working for a while, I can still try to manage all of that busy lifestyle but slowly, um, if we keep adding more and more to our plate, you kind of find it imbalanced. Like maybe, maybe because I am older, I can't do all that anymore, or it's just not what I had wanted in, um, you know, this this lifestyle. Like I have my dream career, but I, I don't get to do the other stuff that made me mm-hmm. who I am, right? Um, as a person, so. Um, becoming less enthusiastic about work and only looking forward to the weekends when we have time off. That's, you know, that's not something we want. We want to enjoy being in work. We want to enjoy being there for our patients. So slowly when I become, you know, less, less inspired at work, less motivated, then I have to um, do something about that. This is when we really need to find other creative resources. So express yourself through, I guess, blogging or work on music or even cooking Mm -hmm. I think that um plays a big role yeah I think that was like quarantine so quarantine Mm -hmm. to me in March was like a blessing in disguise Mm -hmm. because it let me open our or my creative side and our creative side that's where we worked on our podcast the most Mm -hmm. Uh, that's where we talked about it um you know planned it and like where we did a lot of the groundwork then yeah um and then even like cooking right like a lot of people got into cooking during quarantine and baking for sure and baking a lot of baking yeah. all people the sugar was baking. out um, at the grocery yeah. store <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and people started putting out bob ross videos started getting yeah crazy. their paintings Amber yeah. did that Amber was painting yeah. i started doing yoga awesome so, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. it's a really good point. So you say like, you know, a t- step back, you know, see what makes you happy, open your creative side. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, yeah, I love my work, but at the same time, you cannot have everything to do 
with your work. Like, you yeah. know, you need other things um, yeah. that make you happy, make you creative. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah. yeah, I feel like some people might be listening to this, like, how would I identify burnout? Because, you know, you're always just on go, go, go. Mm-hmm. And I know for me personally, the moment I know when I'm going to be burnt out is when I wake up in the morning and I'm dreading going to work. absolutely dreading where I'm sitting in bed and I'm like, I don't want to go today. Mm -hmm. And that is the first sign where it's okay. You've worked too much. Mm -hmm. You're there too many days a week because now you're getting really fed up with it. So that's the day you need to call in sick and just not go in (laughs) for sure. You need a mental health day. (laughs) Yeah. You love your career. You love your job. You love what you're doing, obviously, but it's like, you're not, you're not inspired or you're not excited about work anymore. So you only want to um, have the weekend come sooner. So that's not good. (laughs) Well, when we work seven days a week, there's no weekend that we're waiting for. (laughs) All I'm waiting for is the day when I say, oh, I don't want to go into work today. Because every day I don't feel that way. But then the, the moment that that comes, I think about it and I say, why do I not want to go to work today? I go to this clinic every week mm-hmm. and it's always fine. Why am I dreading it now, today, in this month? That's why I'm dreading it. I'm probably burning out mm-hmm. without realizing right away. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, that's why you have to be more self-aware of your emotions too, your feelings, mm-hmm. because if you, you can't recognize the signs, then you don't know what you yeah. actually need. Yeah, I think this is like one of the biggest struggles that new grads have when they come out of graduation because they think like, okay, yeah, I'm just going to pay off my loans, work six to seven days a week. It'll be fine for the first like two or three years. I'm just going to do that. And then, you know, after the first six months, you're even like, what is happening? Like, I don't know what this feeling is. (laughs) Like, why do I not like my job anymore? It's not that. It's just that you're just burnt out. You're just mentally fatigued and break. You need a break. Yeah. Well, Kim, you gave us so much valuable information today. So uh, we want to thank you again for coming on. We hope our listeners learned a lot and felt a better connection with you if they don't already, you know, have you on social media and, and know about you. So I hope that this really helps a lot of those Canadian optometry students that are wanting to come back to Canada because, you know, this is also what our podcast is mainly about. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we want to help that transition between both countries and um, everything that you said about personal branding is on point. I mean, it, it's exactly what we are still learning about how to brand ourselves as our podcast, um, you know, on social media and on Instagram. And I think the social media presentation that you give um to all the new grads is a really great opportunity for students and new grads to dive in if that's something that they're interested in and thinking about. Yeah, Mm -hmm. thank you for having me and finally get to meet you guys and chat. Bye. Bye. Thank you to everyone for listening to Four Eyes. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating to give us feedback on how we're doing. You can also check us out on Instagram at Four Eyes Optum for more content. Look out for new episodes every Wednesday. So until then, stay tuned. Stay tuned.